You ever been there? I want to believe, but can't or won't or life is too heavy. I would imagine everyone in this room, anyone viewing online has been in that place, whether you're a convinced Christ follower, um, unconvinced, somewhere in between. There's been these moments where we find ourselves wanting to believe, but we just are stuck. And so we're beginning a new series this morning, and we're going to try to answer some of those questions, try to wrestle with some of those things. Some things we're not going to still feel that great about, but emotionally engage with that. Seneca Community Church wants to be a church that is safe to ask your questions. No questions are off limits. And uh, if something uh, needs further discussion, please uh, let me know. Grab me by the arm. Uh, send me an email, whatever. But uh, we're not afraid of questions. We may not be able to have an easy answer for you, but any question is valuable and is important. So we're starting this new series, and uh, we're very thankful for a church, uh, some of you are familiar with at Life Church, and they make a lot of their materials, a lot of their resources available, their creative arts team, like the uh, little bumpers you see there, so it's nice to be able to have that. Really appreciate their pastor, Craig Fischel, and just the fact that they are just open to letting anything they do be used by anyone else, so we just uh, appreciate that. So uh, where do we start with this subject? And uh, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about, you know, how we put things together, it's, uh, you'll see hopefully where we're going. Uh, so I will show you something that definitely uh, dates me and dates some of us, and some of us will go, I don't even know what that was that I just watched. Once upon a time, in a mythical place called Cape Kennedy, an astronaut named Tony Nelson went up on a space mission. The missile went up, but something went wrong, and they had to bring it down. Captain Nelson landed on an island in the South Pacific where he found a bottle. At least it looked like a bottle, but it didn't act like a bottle. Because in it was a genie. Oh, not your average everyday genie, but a beautiful genie who could grant any wish. Nelson was so grateful, he set Jeannie free. Only she didn't want to be free. So she followed him back to Cocoa Beach, a mythical town in a mythical state called Florida. And there in this house, the girl in the bottle plays Spin the Astronaut. All right. Anyone remember that? Anyone want to forget that? <laughs> Some of you, all right. But anyway, you know, I uh, dream of Jeannie. Uh, you know, that was the 60s. I have to be honest with you, I got to watch it in reruns, but still in the 70s, but that was one of those cheesy shows. But, you know, you'd watch it, and you'd kind of be reassured that life is going to be okay. In like 25 minutes, problems would be solved, uh, Jeannie would help out, uh, and it was just a wonderful thing. But, you know, I, you know when you're thinking about those things, uh, it gets a little worse. It actually gets pathetic. Uh, Cindy's gone this weekend. She's been down visiting her sister in North Carolina. Mariah's visiting her sister, another sister up in uh, Rochester. So I've been all alone with my parents, and my mommy and daddy have been taking care of me. And uh, it's like the old days. And uh, Friday night we had dinner together. Actually, we've had like every dinner together, but every meal together. Anyway, but uh, 
they're taking care of me, and it was time to, like, what are we going to, what are crazy people going to do on Friday night? So there we are in the living room, and I say, you know, I got some ice cream machine episodes, and so there we are, one episode after another episode, and then my father got a book and went over to another couch, like, being, he was still in the room, but he was, like, not in the room, and, you know, about 8.50, it was time to go to bed, we'd watch three episodes, and I see that there's 139, so Cindy, if you're tuning in, get home quick. I cannot watch one more episode. But, you know, the idea of having a genie, uh, you know, and there's all kinds of different takes on this, Aladdin and all this kind of thing. It's, it's just, a, it's, we go, wow, wouldn't it be great? And obviously, you know, if you get three wishes, what's the third wish supposed to be? For more wishes, right? You know, so you can just keep the wishes coming. Uh, but, you know, to have a genie would just be so, so wonderful in a sense. But you see, time and time again, every storyline, there's always this tension that you think the genie's going to be helpful, but the genie always creates, and sometimes it's the way people respond, always creates more problems. And that's why we have this little phrase here that says, don't let the genie out of the bottle. So that idea is always hanging out there. Whenever you see a storyline and there's a genie and all that stuff, there's this moment where don't let the genie out of the bottle, but they always do, and it can create all kinds of problems. What is your wish? No. <laughs> okay. A million bucks. Oh, no. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You know, for some of you guys, that is, like, awesome, right? You'd love that. You could just sit on your front porch, uh, yeah, right, all day long. So, uh, anyway, so, again, just that idea of there's always a tension. You know, be careful of what you wish for. I mean, even Toyota gets into the idea, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was, like, a Toyota RAV genie? family i'm your rav4 genie your wish is my command i wish the old spare tire was gone really out of everything and the okay oh no i'm not oh i wish i could eat as much chocolate as i want well your chocolate levels are dangerously low now gladys is going to start you on a chocolate iv and here are some free samples i wish i was a princess i want you to avenge my father's death i wish may i please have a turn you know, you know, that's kind of where we're at, right? May I please have a turn? And we see these lives out there, and they see they're happening, and we just wish that we could get our turn, get our wish answered, and then life would be sweet. But the problem is, is all this wishing, all this, in a sense, on-demand, which mixes in there. Uh, you know, we got on-demand, uh, you know, buying stuff. Uh, you know, we moved to Lodi. Now we have to wait sometimes two or three days. When we lived in Waterloo, sometimes we get something in one day. You know, everything's on demand, eating, all these kinds of things, shopping, whatever it is. TV on demand, some of you may not believe this, but there was a day where when you would watch a TV, there was a time, a day and a time, and if you missed it, it was gone forever until reruns. And so you'd order your evening around this, and, and you know, that's gone. But this whole on-demand, uh, genie kind of idea, Sometimes you and I lean this or let this bleed over to our expectations of how God should act in our lives. 
that God could kind of have some of that flavor in him. And, you know, you can, uh, you can dream all you want about being God being a genie, but you'll always find yourself disappointed. And some of us, that's just thinking, I want to believe, but that little opening, if you watch the text messages, God didn't come through the way that person wanted. And a lot of times our wishes, our dreams, our hopes, our goals are nice, are decent. I mean, we're not always having selfish genie, I want this in my life. Sometimes our wishes and our dreams are for somebody else, for something good to happen or something bad to stop happening. So it's not, not self-serving all the time. But if we start to think that God is going to perform like a genie, we're going to always find ourselves really uh, disappointed. You know, when God doesn't do what you think he should do, some will conclude it must be big. So sometimes some of us are sitting out here and uh, we, we, you know, you know, I believe, I want to believe, but, but actually I think I'm the problem. I keep looking at my life and, you know, I wanted forgiveness in my life. I did these things and, and this must be just kind of a ripple effect from that bad behavior or that selfish behavior in the past. And you just keep, so it must be me. It can't be God. It must be me. Or we come to the conclusion and some will that it must be him. You know, we, yeah, I'm not perfect, granted, but, uh, you know, come on, God, give me a break. And so it must be me. So we get into this conflict of God being a certain way, and we have certain expectations of, of how he should, should function. And, uh, you know, I love our culture. There's some things I definitely don't love about our culture, but I wouldn't want to live anywhere else on the planet. And uh, maybe Mythic Florida, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, they were talking about in that opening. But, uh, you know. It's just, it's, just, it's just hard that we, we kind of let this thinking kind of flavor us and shape us. And if we go all the way back to Samuel, and there's lots of passages, Older Testament, Newer Testament, uh, we see this idea that it isn't about him being our genie. It isn't about God being on demand for us. It's about us actually uh, following his lead, serving him. But you must honor the Lord, uh, honor the Lord, show him to be first in your life. Uh, the way I honor the Lord is I, I am in a situation, and it could be a big situation or a small situation. It could be a situation where other people are observing, or I literally like it when no one sees it. It's just you and God, and you go in the direction. Your behavior aligns with what you think God would like you to do. You're not doing that to earn his love for you. You're doing that because you do love him. So you honor the Lord. You must serve him sincerely, genuinely. Um, and that sometimes is hard when we measure our motives. Sometimes we start off uh, trying to serve the Lord because uh, it's a good idea. It's the right thing to do. Then we get in the middle of it, and now we're serving because it makes us look good. And then it drifts off. You know, the, the, the motive meter is just going back and forth. And I'm so glad that God sorts all that out. But for the most part, we're hoping that we're doing it sincerely, genuinely, when we catch ourselves in our spirit and say, wow, now this is more about me than serving God. Then I got to ratchet down. I got to figure out what's going on. So we serve him sincerely with all of our hearts. Uh, remember the wonderful things he has done for you. 
And to those of us who have said yes to Christ, those of us who celebrated last week Easter, the risen Savior, the fact that he gave his life for us so we could have a relationship with God that ushers us in from this chapter of life into eternity to be with him, he's done all that and he's done much more. So that should create not a earning mentality, but a thankful, grateful mentality. I know when somebody's done something nice for me, I want to do something nice for them. Some of it's politeness. Some of it's just real gratitude. And that's the way it should be with our relationship with God when we think about who um, he really is. So God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. And uh, it's, it's just, again, it's, it's just a little bit foreign to some of the ways we interact in our world uh, with others. Are we service others or is it about us and so when it comes to god god being almighty and god having a plan and all these kinds of things it's about us serving him not him necessarily serving us but every once in a while probably more than once in a while we find that god is so good to us that he's just blessing our lives in luke we read father if you're willing these are jesus words these are on the night he was arrested Father, if you're willing, please don't make me drink from this cup, but do what you want, not what I want. And so even we see Jesus uh, asking a reasonable request. Uh, is there any way I don't have to go to the cross? And Jesus says, wait a minute, but it's not my will, it's your will. What do you want me to do? And so we see that mentality happening with Jesus, perfect, never sinned, didn't, didn't, deserve to die on the cross you and i because of our sin because of our disobedience our selfishness whatever you want to call it our wiring our human condition we deserve to pay the penalty for our sins but jesus does it for us even when it didn't feel good even when it was like "Ooh, i don't know if i want to do this he says not my will but your will again jesus himself serves the purposes of god so if god is not a genie in a bottle who is he? Who is he? How do we move from being consumer-minded, on-demand-minded, genie-minded, we're here to serve you? How do we get our minds wrapped around that? I'd like to give you three thoughts. We could have ten thoughts, but three thoughts for this morning. Uh, the first of all one is that God's heart is always loving. God's heart is always loving. He looks at us through the lens of love. He's more than love. He's not only love, but he is loving. He loves us. He loves us so much that he gave his one and only son for us. That's how much he loves us. In Romans, we read this. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? And so is there anything that can separate us from the love of God? There is no way, no trouble, no hard times, no hatred, no hunger, no homelessness, no bullying threats, no backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture will separate us from the love of God. But there's also a flip side to this. When those actions happen to me, when I'm on the receiving end of hatred, of hunger, of homelessness, of bully threats, of backstabbing, even some of the worst sins listed in Scripture, I realize that God still loves me. Often I don't read it that way. 
so I can receive all the junk of being on planet Earth, a broken world, and I know that that doesn't break my love for God. I know the things in this world doesn't break God's love for me, but it is amazing. It's a two-way street, and that changes the way I look at my world. When I see some of these horrible things, some of these people-driven things, you know, it's just not nature. It's just not the brokenness. It's just not an illness, but it's actually somebody has actually been nasty and mean to me, and I'm on the receiving end of it. I know that that doesn't break my love for God. Sometimes I have to wrestle with that. God doesn't seem like you love me. And I have to go, wait a minute, he does love me. Let me put things in the big picture. And that's not to minimize anything that you've been through. Because you might say, Dave, you don't get what I've been through. You don't get it. I absolutely probably don't get it. All of us have a story. All of us here were on Sunday watching online. Uh, you know, you look at somebody else's life and you go, wow, I wish I had that life. But you don't know there is a story. Most lives are not spared a story a heartbreak um i say often because i need to remind myself there are people in my life man i go i wish i was like that i wish i had that i wish i but you know what i probably wouldn't want to have lived their story to get to that place so back off so again god's heart is always loving towards us none of this phases us because jesus loves us I'm absolutely convinced that nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Jesus embraces us. The question is, is have you embraced him? Have you said yes to him? Have you moved it from knowing about him to experiencing in your heart. It's hard to explain. It's a, it's a prayer, but a prayer is really an expression of your heart. It's not a prayer. It's the expression of your heart. And you reach out to that, those arms that are already reaching out to you and say, I want you in my life. I want forgiveness of sin. I want to know you. I want to be with you. I don't want to be separated from you. It's not just a ticket to heaven. It's a ticket to your presence to be with you. That's what motivates him. And then you can experience him. We can experience that initial burst of God's love in our life. And then we can live in response of that until we spend eternity with him. Also, there's another thing that it's hard to get our mind around. Uh, there's still some things in my life. There's things in the world that I just, this, this isn't, let's say, an emotionally satisfying answer to me. But I think it's a truth. I think it's a truth that God's ways are higher. There's things going on that you and I are just not going to get. I'm not going to get. That's okay. I got to be okay with that. I got to say God's love is so strong. I understand what He did for me. Uh, if He can allow His Son to die on a cross and He loves His Son, then what's going on in my life? I, I've just got to trust Him, even though it doesn't feel good, even though it stinks. I don't like it. I, I, I just have to go. His ways are higher, and maybe someday I'll put have the pieces put together. Someday maybe I won't have that question, but but. I just have to lean into him and just understand that. We read in Isaiah, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. God's decree. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Got to hold on to that. Some of us got to write that down someplace, put it in a 
place where we're just reminded of it because it does not feel like that before. The way my life is unfolding doesn't seem like that before. When I watch the evening news, it doesn't seem like that before. And I hear these crazy things happening. In our country, shootings, all kinds of stuff worldwide, what's going on in Ukraine. And then there's all kinds of places that we don't get a news report from that just horrible stuff. I go, I, I just don't get it. So I got to say, his ways are high. He's letting the world spin. He's giving free choice, likely choice in other people's lives. I like it in my own life. And I like God. God's ways are higher. Also, we got to realize that God's presence is always enough. God loves us. God's ways are higher. But God's presence is always enough. Getting to one of those moments where you just kind of drop to your knees, whether it's uh, actually physically or it's just in your heart, you're at, you're just at, at the end. And all of a sudden, you're just aware of God's presence. The singing this morning, the songs that were chosen, uh, just hearing the voices, wow, it was nice to just be reminded of God. And yes, we're singing to, to, to celebrate him, but it's amazing how we receive so much when we go into a place of worship. And it was wonderful. Thank you to the people that pulled that all off from the sound booth to, to up here. But we read that God's presence always not enough. You, you may be familiar with King David, the guy who took out Goliath when he was a shepherd boy and uh, before he became king in this in-between time, uh, his, his mentor, his leader, his role model to some degree, King Saul, decided that he was threatened by David and King Saul is trying to kill David. And he's running everywhere, just, just, just moments away from his life being ended by uh, the one that he had supported, the one that he wasn't after and, and all these kinds of things. And, and these are just some of the things, uh, you can look in the Psalms and see all kinds of, of things that he wrote. But a uh, very familiar passage, uh, Psalm 23, even if I walk through a valley as dark as the grave, I will not be afraid of any danger because you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Take a minute, read through, well, not right now, but take a minute and read through the life of David. Take a look at that. I mean, he is in the trenches. I mean, he's in warfare, crazy stuff. Involved, and, and he says, God is with me. I've had no experiences like David. And he can say, God is with me. Some of you have had some experiences that others of us would go, wow. And you'd say, you know, it, it, it was hard. I, hard isn't even uh, enough of a word to say it. But I knew God was with me. See, God's presence is always enough. I like what he writes before verse 4. He says, "This is my, the Lord is my shepherd, the one who takes care of me. I will always have everything I need, not more than I need, but what I need in the moment. He gives me green pastures to lie in, a place of rest. He leads me beside calm pools of water. Uh, sheep, when they hear noises, don't like it, I'm told, so it needs to be calm water. He restores my strength. He leads me on the right path to show that he is good. Love that. A lot of us need to write that down. Goes on about God providing us, God being present, and his presence is all I need. Occasionally when I'm doing a celebration of life, 
somebody passed away, a funeral, and the person, uh, it was a long road to where they finally went home to be with the Lord. Uh, I like to refer to the story of Elijah. Uh, I know when Dick Schrader passed away and Gene Murphy passed away, we talk about this even though they were so close to each other. And uh, just this idea of how to deal with the hard times in life when you know even that physically like it's, it's, it's starting to end and you, and you know that it won't be long before you're with the Lord, but still that, that, that's not easy when you're going through it. You may remember Elijah's at odds with um, the northern kingdom's uh, king and queen, Ahab and Jezebel, and they're after him. They want to take him out, and uh, the Lord leads him to a place to kind of hide out. We find this in 1 Kings. We read, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Zareen, east of the, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook. I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there by himself. There's a big drought going on. I don't quite understand what it means. The ravens supplied him with food, but we knew he had more than water. He had food. Uh, some say that he ate the ravens. Who knows? Uh, it doesn't, it's not his concern, but I don't know if they're good. As, uh, anyway, but... Uh, um, then we read on, not to get stuck on that, but uh, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. But later on, we have verse 7, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And what's amazing to me is that he was watching the brook dry up. He was watching it. One day there's this much water, then there's less much water, and he absolutely needs that water. Without that water, he's done. And he's watching get less and less and less and less. And some of you have been in those positions. Some of you are actually in those positions now where there's less and less. Maybe it's relationally. The relationship's getting worse. Maybe it's at work. Uh, you started at this job, and you were just on top of your game, and, and you were just clicking, and now it seems like it's just not happening for you. Anyway, you almost go, is this season at this place drying up? When, when, am, when are my bosses going to feel what I'm feeling? Uh, maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your health. All of us have seasons where things start to dry up. So here's Elijah watching this brook dry up, and uh, he, he, just, he just stays by it, and that, that's just a hard place. God, you put me here. Uh, I know you love me. Uh, your ways are higher than my ways. Um, all I have to do is sit around at this brook and try to have, be have connected with you, God, so be present. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just hard. What, what, is, what is going on, and, and how do you and I handle those, those kinds of situations? Uh, Moses talks about this when he writes in the book of Deuteronomy. He says, he humbled you, talking to the people, and let you be hungry. Then he fed you with manna, something you did not know about. It was something your ancestors had never seen. Why did the Lord do this? Because he wanted you to know that it is not just bread that keeps people alive. People's lives depend on what the Lord says. They depend on him speaking into their lives, to him being present. And you can replace whatever. It's just not what. 
bread? What, what, what do we say, even those of us who have said yes to Christ and, and uh, you know, kind of doing okay with our faith, not super good, super bad, or maybe even good. There, there are things that we have to remember that it's not all this preferential stuff that uh, is what keeps us alive. It's God that keeps us alive. It's his presence in our life. And sometimes, and, and, and you know, we don't feel like it in the moment, but sometimes it's a, it becomes a beautiful thing when we find things that we were leaning on stripped away and we find ourselves only able to lean on Christ. And uh, not pleasant, but then all of a sudden the moment wakes up and go, wow, his presence is enough. You know, sometimes what goes dry in our life, whatever that may be, causes the floodgate of God's presence to open into our life. Sometimes we need some things stripped away. Uh, it's not, you know, not pleasant again, but we need that. So his presence comes. We're reminded that it's his presence that makes all the difference in this life. I mean, we're, we're just a drop in the bucket. We're heading into eternity with Christ or without Christ. No matter how physically great you feel, Yesterday, uh, first time, I was mowing my lawn. It's like two acres on the zero-turn thing. Thankful that Tim Williamson didn't have a video camera going. Maybe he did. I don't know. But, you know, me turning, going, ee, 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 you know, like just trying to tear in the grass. Uh, anyway, you know, anyway, it's just I could see. Actually, I saw some people. That, I, there were these birds of prey flying over the land. I thought they were looking to get me because this guy is just doomed. But anyway. I don't even know why I'm talking about that now, but uh, why was I even talking about it? I don't know. But anyway, let's get back to the floodgates. Mm. Maybe the water will help. I can tell I'm very damaged. Cindy, come home tonight, not tomorrow. So anyway, <laughs> when things are going dry, like what you're supposed to say next, don't run from a brook that's going dry. That doesn't mean I'm it doesn't mean like look for pain, look for hard times. But when it starts happening, realize that God's trying to use this. His ways are higher than our ways. He loves us. He wants to be present. And maybe this is a road you or I have to travel. Elijah didn't like leave the brook. He stayed there until it went dry. I don't know how long that half took, but there was one day where it was just mud. And then the mud was gone, and uh, God directs him to another situation. If you're familiar with the story, uh, it doesn't seem much better than a dry brook, but it all eventually all works out. But when you and I find something drying up, don't necessarily run from it. God, I think, is going to use it. I know in my own life, uh, he's used those drying times of that period of time for his presence to come in, and I find that he really is enough. Don't give up on a God that has never given up on you. He's never given up on you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your past is. He's never given up on you. So don't give up on him. Even though all the pieces seem to be crazy. Don't believe for a minute that God has you at a dry brook to come out. Sometimes maybe to get your attention, but not to punish you, not to hurt you, not to, oh, smack, smack, smack. No, that's not that, not to punish you. Don't aim at that. 
yes, take inventories or lives, see if there's things we need to, need to be adjusted. But sometimes we go, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm really not messing up in a big way, but things seem to be getting harder. This must be a punishment for God. What's up with that? I don't know. No, don't, don't go there right away. And then don't be surprised when God blows you, blows your mind, and comes through in the darkest time, not just with a answer or the answer, but with himself. Don't be surprised when God blows your mind and all of a sudden he's there in that darkest time in the middle of it. And it's now it's the answer's good and everything, but it's not about the answer. It's about him showing up in your life. Because again, we're prepping for an eternity with God. We're prepping for an eternity with God where there's no static on the line, where there's no interference with our relationship with him. He will, we will fully know, there'll be no breaks. You know those moments like we're singing and you're aware of God's presence or something happens and you're like, wow, that's a God moment. And and that's going to be life. It's not going to be God moments. It's going to be God every time. It's just, it is what it is. So we're preparing for that. So in those darkest moments, it's not about the answer, even though answers can be very sweet, but it's with himself. You know, I want to believe, I want to dream of a genie, I want God to be on demand, but that is not who he is. And that's because we don't understand who he is. And when things are drying up, they can get pretty bad. 34 years ago, a couple, Cindy and I, were, this would have been my senior in college. We were married for the first year. She was teaching school. Cindy's uh, a few years older than me, obviously much more mature than I am. But, uh, and uh, we had received some money for our wedding present. I remember when we were driving for our, on our honeymoon, we had all the envelopes and we're like opening them up. Go, ooh, ooh, you know, first we were figuring out if we could afford to go on our honeymoon. Oh, I guess we can have lunch today. You know, we're collecting all this stuff together. I recommend you don't do that because someone could have broken in our car and taken it. So anyway, that was worth coming today for the service. So anyway, um, we're going through it, and, you know, we get, I think, I think when we were all done and we got back and we were setting up home and we were living our life, that we had $1,000, and that felt pretty good. But every month, even though she was working at a, a private Christian school and I was working as much as I could but between going to school, every month we had to dip into that $100 every month, every month. And that was starting to freak me out. My, our book was drying up. And I don't know if we were down to like $500. And I remember a friend saying, at least you have $500. But I, I was just like, man, we are running out of money. It, it just, it's just going to happen. And, 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 you know, we weren't, we weren't being too lavish in anything we had. And I, I got really stressed out about it. And uh, you know what, what happened? And it, 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 it helped define our life together as a couple. We got down on our knees What are we going to do? We're going to run out of money. And I can remember eventually all of a sudden a new apartment opened up and it was half the price of our apartment. Back in that day, it was $500 a month. So now the new apartment was $250 a month. So now we had a surplus. 
But what really happened wasn't just the answer to our prayer. It was that God gave us an out to shape our lives. I'm not saying we're perfect by any means. Uh, Some of you may be, but I'm not. And, uh, you know, I... But, but that shaped our life, that when the, dro- the book is drying up, whether you literally get on your knees or not, it's a big deal, but you seek God and seeking God together, we saw that he opened the floodgates of his presence. Here we are, 34 years later. If I did a side view, I'm not going to do it. I have plenty of movable muscles built in right around here, so I'm not starving woke up in a bed, uh, so we've made it 34 years. That's unbelievable. So, you know, so the, the idea here is that when I can't believe or I want to believe, but remember that God wants to show up in our lives. He doesn't always give us the answer. So sometimes the answer doesn't even come, but he always answers with You know, if you've never said yes to Christ, it all believe, begins with admitting your need for him, admitting that you've been out of step with him, which is what we call sin, and need to be connected to him through Christ, the work that Christ did on the cross. It's believing Jesus died for us, rose again, and accepting his forgiveness for our sins. You say, am I supposed to feel anything? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Am I supposed to be really sad about my sins? Eh, maybe not. Is there supposed to be a change starting in my life? Absolutely. Our heart changes. And then our behavior changes. Not to again earn his love. We've already have it. And when you love someone, you want to have that, your behavior reflect that love on them. Like I've got to do a couple things around the house before Kimmy gets home tomorrow. So, you know, because that's because I love her. And I don't want to get in trouble. But, uh, you know. Also, it means choosing to invite Christ into your life is the one you are going to follow, a life of giving God your best. You know, you can talk with me. Uh, there's these little uh, pamphlets calling, called Knowing God Personally. This is just uh, shares how to, how to say yes, what that looks like, gives you some ideas about that. There's also a booklet out there. It's probably an, you could probably read it in less than an hour, just seven pages, and just kind of walk through that. really love that. But uh, again, that's all about want to believe but God's not a genie God's not on demand so what does that mean when it comes to what's going on in my life and then just again he doesn't always give us the answer but he always gives us the best it's his best Heavenly Father thank you thank you that in the dry times our sensitivity to you working in our life increases pray that for those of us who have said yes to you, that uh, it wouldn't have to always be the dry times where it really is a roadblock. But help us when we're going through those dry times, when something seems to be tainted, and when, when, when you're not delivering on the promises we think you promised, when you're not meeting our expectations, when we want to believe that you're coming through, but, and sometimes we take things into our own hands, sometimes we lean away from you rather than lean into you but lord i ask that you would help us to see that it's just not the answer it's you being our answer always no matter where we're at spiritually 
And Father, once again, if there's someone here that has not said yes to you, has not begun their relationship with you, I ask that even in this moment, they in the silence and quiet of their heart say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for, you know, just redeeming me. I feel rotten for the way I've lived, and I want you to come into my life and start changing everything. I'm going to follow you the best way I know how, and I'm going to try to know how to follow you even better by getting to know you. So pray if there's a person here that's in that place that they'll come and do that now. Father, once again, we uh, thank you for your love for us. We do ask as, as we leave this place, we would leave this place as a breath of fresh air for a world that is really hurting. Help us to be your love, your light, not in a self-righteous way, but in, again, a, a, a opening the windows of your still house when it's nice outside like today to let the breezes blow through and freshen things up. We say, may we do that kind of freshness in the world as we go out. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name.